This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to Anchor. My name's James. I'm on staff here. Uh, This is my, as Hope's mentioned, my first time uh, preaching. My second time on stage, last time I was on here, my wife and I were getting introduced and I just want to use this moment to say thank you. Uh, thank you for welcoming us. Uh, I, can't, I can't overstate how impactful it is uh, when someone says, hey, come sit next to us, or comes up to you and introduces themselves after a service, or says, hey, do you want to come over for a meal into our home? So I just want to thank you for that. Um, I love you guys, um, and let's keep cultivating that culture, that welcoming culture. Um, and if you're new, you're checking out Anchor, this is your first time. I'm still pretty new myself, and I can, I can confirm that this is a, a warm and welcoming community. So I'd encourage you to, to check it out. Uh, every day is this series. I love this series because I think uh, in, um, yeah, in Western culture, we're very good at compartmentalizing our life. This is when we work, this is when we eat, this is when I'm going to focus on God, we compartmentalize, but it's actually, it's the everyday things uh, that actually impacts us and impacts our lives. And I heard this quote once, and it was really convicting. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. How we spend our days is actually how we want to spend our lives. So if we want to have an impactful life, we need to look at how we're spending our days. And today, we're talking about technology. And in particular, uh, the smartphone and social media. The smartphone and social media, very, very small topic. Um, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that we're in the middle of a tech revolution. What's happened in the last 12 years uh, with smartphones is incredible. I remember my first phone, the Nokia 3310. It was incredible, yes. It was incredible. It had games on it. It had Snake. And I was saying to my dad, Dad, this is so good. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> and then the update comes out. And they had Snake 2. It's like, Dad, this is as good as it gets. And then I got the Motorola Razor. And it had a screen. And it flipped. And I could do the... Fuch, fuch. I was like, Dad, this is as good as it gets. And I got the iPhone big screen. Now I can watch live TV. I can watch YouTube. I can watch sport. Now we can even watch Netflix. I can watch Lord of the Rings on my phone. I was like, Dad, this is as good as it gets. Tech revolution. June 28, 2007, Apple shipped the original iPhone. Steve Ballmer, the former CEO of Microsoft, infamously said, there's no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. No chance. The rest is history. But today I want, to, I, want us to, I want us to slow down, zoom out, and to think about how is this, how is this impacting not just our lives, but our, our hearts, our minds, our, our relationships, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others. Uh, because in particular, social media, it's not something that is separate from us. It's not a a cold 
technology, it's actually becoming part of us and who we are and our identity. And it's radically shaping our relationships. Uh, Steven Spielberg, one of my favourite directors, said this about this generation. After five minutes of conversation, there is 20 minutes of prayer. And the prayer is into the iPhones and the Samsung Galaxies and the iPads and our devices. What an interesting observation from a secular man. After five minutes of conversation, there's 20 minutes of prayer. Uh, my wife and I were out to dinner last Saturday night and, and on the, the long table next to us, uh, there was teenagers and they were all on their phones, you know, Snapchatting, Instagram storing the experience and the food. I was looking down my nose being like, oh, these guys just addicted to their phone. And then I whipped out my phone and took a photo of it. I was like, oh, the irony, the irony. And I think this, this, this thing uh, is having a, an incredible impact on all the generations. Like my mum and dad are always on Facebook, always on Facebook. And what, it, what the most scary thing is when we look into this cold, shiny, black mirror, what it actually is exposing in us, in our hearts. And um, just going a, going a bit deeper, I don't know if you've ever felt the, the rush of anxiety uh, when you're sitting at home on a Friday night alone and on Instagram or on Facebook, a photo pops up of all your close friends. And of course, you're reminded that you weren't invited and you're not there. And this rush of social anxiety and FOMO hits you. Or the opposite, the excitement and anticipation of uploading a new FB or Instagram with a zinger one-liner and 34 hashtags. And we've all felt at the moment you're waiting, you're waiting, you can't wait for your brain just to flood with that dopamine once you feel the pleasure and reward of all the likes and all the comments. And you check it after 30 seconds, still nothing. You check it 30 seconds later, still nothing. You check it 30 seconds later, and one beautiful red number. And of course, it's mum, first one to like it. But still, it's a rush. It is a rush. And I want us to, I want us to debunk uh, these, these promises that smartphones have promised to make us more connected, happy, but what, it, what it's actually promised to protect us from and wants to unpack is this fear of being forgotten. I think in all of us, and especially in me, we have this fear of being forgotten. So we impulsively connect from the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we put ourselves to sleep and surrender ourselves. And the most interesting thing, and just before I dive in, uh, something really interesting that I read this week about social media uh, from this book by a psychologist called Donna Frita, and the title I felt uh, personally judged, The Happiness Effect, How Social Media is Driving a Generation to Appear Perfect at Any Cost. How Social Media is Driving a Generation to Appear Perfect at Any Cost. And she had this really helpful observation. 
Any social situation can be wonderful and fun or stressful and awful and everything in between. And in this way, social media reflects reality. But it doesn't just reflect this reality. It adds another dimension to it, enhancing this reality by making it public and constant. Public and constant. And social media is like real life, only intensified and sped up and made public for the world to see. And therefore, it intensifies the emotions and values and insecurities that already exist in our hearts. And so therefore, I think there's a, there's a camp out there that would say, technology is the problem. Smartphones, social media, that's the problem. That's what's making this generation more anxious, more aware of its image. Um, and I, I don't think that's fully the case because it is a, it is a thing. It is a, an amoral thing in and of itself. It's not good or bad. It's how we apply it, what it's doing to us because it's part of us and that it actually intensifies the emotions that are in us and it, it twangs on the inner insecurities that are in us. So does, does the Christian worldview have anything to say to this? Does God have anything to say to us? Um, God is not surprised by this tech revolution. He's not looking down, saying, ha, oh, VR, wow. Wasn't expecting that. It's like, oh, the iPhone X. Huh. Wasn't expecting that. And they're using letters now. That's interesting. Wasn't expecting that. God is not surprised. God is, God is overall, um, and he has ancient wisdom for this modern technology. So the, the question I want to unpack today is how, is how is technology impacting our everyday lives? And I, I, like I mentioned before, I don't just want to look at the, the symptoms um, but I want us to look at our heart and what's happening in our identity. So how is technology impacting our everyday lives? Number one, it's making us more efficient and connected. More efficient and connected. Don't need to win you to this. Of course, not too long ago, just driving from A to B was very inefficient. My dad would put me in the car. He'd give me a map, a paper map and I would have to navigate us from A to B. And of course, we all often got lost. But now, we plug it straight into Google Maps. More efficient. More efficient in communicating. We can communicate through text, through email, through Instagram messages, in your DMs, on Twitter, on Facebook Messenger. Much more efficient ways for us to communicate. My whole family right now uh, are overseas. Mum and dad are in Korea. My sister lives in London. And it is more efficient for us to communicate. It's nice. I don't need to write a handwritten letter to communicate something to them. It is instant and more efficient. Now, what, is the, yeah, what, is the, what does God have to say about this technology and this efficiency? Um, just briefly, I just want to add that God's design was for us to apply technology to become more efficient. God's design was for us to apply technology to become more efficient. He actually he commands us in Genesis 1, 28, to, for, the, for the ground to produce food. Use this word to subdue it. It's this word to, to master it, to control it, to rule it. Genesis 2.15, he then commands us to work the ground and take care of it. 
So instead of waiting for the ground to produce food, and it can eventually come up, we actually would apply agriculture, we would apply technology to fully unlock the ground's potential to produce food. You could say that you're making the ground more efficient. It had the potential in it, but the technology unleashes the, the potential. And so technology is something that God has given us to make our lives more efficient. And so this smartphone and social media, it has made communication more efficient and various other things. And technology has done wonders in this world. It is uh, the wheel and the automobile gave us mobility. The printing press and the internet gave us access to education. And the smartphone and social media make us more connected. But what is it that we are meant to do with this? What, what would God command for us to do with this efficiency? Uh, really, really helpful verse uh, for me, thinking about these... Um, often things of this world, whether they're, they're good or bad. Uh, it's going to pop up on the screen. How can we think about technology, our social media and devices? 1 Corinthians 6.12, and Paul's, Paul's speaking in the context of, of food laws, something that isn't good and bad in and of itself, but how do we, how do we interact with this? And they're saying, yeah, I have, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I think this is a super helpful principle. Some of us would say, this isn't evil. I'm not sinning by using social media and smartphones. But slowly, ever so slowly, it is controlling us and we're being mastered by it. The design of the phone and the apps are deliberately addictive. They are deliberately addictive. Uh, I, actually, I actually worked in digital marketing for a bit, and I, I sat in the meetings when we were planning a campaign, and the objective was for you to interact with it over and over again. Uh, it's like a... This could sound trivial, but I think it's helpful. It's like salt and vinegar crinkle-cut chips. The people that have designed it have put a certain amount of salt, a certain amount of fat, and salt, and more salt, and a little bit of vinegar for us not to be satisfied by it. And so we have one, and we're not satisfied, and we have to go back. And we go back for a handful. And if you're anything like me, the whole packet has to go. <laughs> it is making us more addicted to it. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, uh, this new update where you can track your, 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 um, your usage of your phone, how many times you pick it up, how many hours you're on it. Uh, nothing exposes my heart more when I track that. Um, I ended up with about four and a half hours on a day. And it was just super convicting because these people are making us more and more addicted to it. So therefore, we don't want to be mastered by it. We need to master it for our purposes as this is a, a good, efficient tool for us to master and not be mastered by it. Just a side note, I want to I implore parents that you need to actually master this for your kids because they won't be able to master it for themselves. Uh, you need to put healthy boundaries around it. Um, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, 
said last year that he would not let his nephew, young nephew, join social media. The CEO of Apple. Bill Gates banned phones until his children were teenagers. And his wife, Melinda Gates, said that wish they had waited longer. A quote from a Silicon Valley CEO, Chris Anderson, speaking of the tech revolution. We thought we could control it, but this is beyond our ability to control for our kids. This is going straight to the pleasure centers of the developing brain, and this is beyond our capacity as regular parents to understand. The Silicon Valley CEOs are putting these strong boundaries around it, and they're seeing that it is powerful, and what it's doing with the dopamine and the pleasure centers in our brain. So parents, uh, be intentional, think about how to master it for your kids. Also for us, I wanna, can, we, can I just encourage you, this isn't a bad thing, that we can master social media and our smartphones to bless. We can master it to bless others. Uh, I've been, um, if I can be really honest, I think I go to social media because I'm tired. I'm often just really weary at the end of the day. I'm tired physically, but I'm tired from the world and discouraged and it is the brightest, shiniest thing and I go to it wanting to find some hope. And for those of us that have the influence of social media, we can influence hundreds, if not thousands of people to use it to bless. Um, this verse came to my Isaiah 54 says, 50 verse four says, to know the word that sustains the weary. So we actually have access to words, the word, Jesus, but words, every time we type, we're doing words that can sustain the weary and that we can think of our friends and our followers of people that are weary and looking for hope and we have hope, we have living hope that we can give them and that we can sustain them. And also to master it, uh, to bless the nations. Uh, the, the tech revolution, there's always seems to be a partnership in history of certain tech revolutions and revival. Uh, the Reformation that Martin Luther led happened at the same time as the printing press. And Martin Luther had this incredible truth about grace and faith, and he mastered and used the printing press to get access to that through the rest of Europe. Twelve years ago, uh, when I first became a Christian, it was just the early days of podcasts coming up and sermons being uh, online and videoed, and I remember watching, listening to these sermons who lived on the other side of the world, changing my life, changing my life. And, and Anchor, I think we're, we're good at mastering the technologies uh, to bless, just bless those around us, bless our city, but also bless the nations, and I think we can push further into it, further into it. So firstly, technology is making us more efficient and connected is this powerful thing, and we need to master it. We need to master it. Secondly, how is technology impacting our lives? It's actually uh, dehumanizing our relationships. Uh, it's dehumanizing our relationships. Uh, we, we can coldly swipe left or right for a date, and we can, we can unfollow and mute our closest friends. We can give a rating out of five 
for someone's performance in driving or providing a service. And what we do is we minimize humans to a number. And we minimize our interactions to a number. Again, I think social rating and social ranking and social reviewing has been around forever. It's in the human heart. But I think social media has intensified this, this ability to do this to each other. It's intensified us. And we end up viewing each other in terms of how many followers you have or the influence you have or what you look like. I don't know if you guys know, watch Black Mirror on Netflix, if you guys watch that. Um, it, is, it is very, very challenging. Um, Black Mirror, every episode envisages this reality that we live in, um, but not 100 years down the track, but only maybe a few years down the track. And there was this episode called Nosedive, where it envisaged a time where everything we do, every social interaction, uh, we rate each other out of five. And it was actually um, from this real app that got tested called People, P-E-E-P-L-E. And every time we interacted with someone, we would give them a rating out of five. So not just for Uber drivers or customer service, but we would rate each other, how you made me feel. And compared to our ranking, the higher we were out of five, that would give us access to a job or access to where we live. And it would give us a certain sphere of influence. I think it was very, very convicting for me because I think social media is helping us to view people through this lens of image. And the first time we meet someone, first time you met me, one of the first places you ran to afterwards was to go on Facebook. And you're looking at my profile picture and you're looking at my followers and what I'm about. And we're do, we, as we do that, we're dehumanizing ourselves and we're dehumanizing others. And I think the most scary thing is that we can conflate likes and hearts and these comments and thumbs up, we can conflate that with value and worth. We end up going to those places to find value and worth in others. And in doing that, we're actually, we think we're putting value and worth on other people. You know what? The most life-changing thing about the Christian worldview, for me personally, 12 years ago, the most life-changing thing about the Christian worldview was that we can, we can be loved and we can be seen and God will see the deepest insecurities in us and know who we really are, and he will love us just the same. And I think all of us have in us this deep insecurity that if we actually expose who we really are, what we really look like, what we really think, that people wouldn't love us, and that we have this, this constant need to curate ourselves online. And I just want to implore this, this Christian worldview to you that if you're chasing after this, this love and this value online and with your, with your friends, that there is an identity out there not based on perceived per perfection, not based on perceived perfection, but given perfection. That we have this, we have this God that loved us, loves us, not because of what we perceive of ourselves. We don't need to 
filter ourselves. We don't need to change anything of ourselves, ourselves for him to love us. Um, but it's actually given to us as a free gift. A free gift. Romans 5.8 has this incredible, incredible truth that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So not whilst we are, we have to change ourselves or change the perception of ourselves, then Christ is going to die for us. No, while we're still in our deepest insecurities, in our mess, in who we are, Christ goes ahead and dies for us and gives us his perfection. That is incredible, incredible truth in this world that is constantly having to to perceive, show others, this is how good I am, this is what I look like, this is what my life's about, therefore give me value and love. Jesus gives us that just based on who he is and how much he loves us. It's incredible, life-changing truth. And what that does, because we have this, this new identity, it actually frees us to love and value others, not based on image as well. We don't need to rate and rank others on what they give us or what they look like. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this about God, and I love this about God. I love this about my God, that the Lord does not look on, at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, social media. But the Lord looks at the heart. And we're called not to look at the things that people looking looking at, not to look at each other and view this world through this lens, but we're to look past the appearance and look at people's heart. And we're called to, to value others because of the value that God's given them, not because of their image. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 emphasize this again about valuing others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In humility, value others above yourself. So we don't need to value people from their image or their influence. We need to value them above ourselves because that's what Christ did for us. And to treat people because they have inherent value, not because of what they can offer us, or because of what they give to us online. Incredible. Incredible. And I think this, this landed heartbreakingly for me because social media is it's my identity. It is what I am projecting to the world. And Jesus has this incredible truth that your identity is not in the perception of perfection of what you will put up, but in his given perfection. Incredible, incredible love. So how has technology impacted our lives, made us more efficient, connected, and therefore we need to master it? It's made us, it's dehumanized our relationships and ultimately ourselves, and we need to find our value in God and what he's done for us, and therefore valuing others and looking at them how God does. And lastly, social media and smartphones has made us incredibly distracted. I don't need to win this too hard. Uh, we are incredibly distracted by our smartphones. Uh, some of you are struggling even to get through church without checking that smartphone. In, uh, 
in Bodegraven in Holland, uh, we're, we're so distracted that we're obviously always looking down. In, the, in this city in Holland, they've started putting the lights for pedestrians on the floor because we're not looking up. Incredible. Incredible. We're so distracted. We're so distracted. And if you, are, if you haven't been listening, you've tuned out a bit, maybe you've been on your phone, I want you to, I want you to catch this. We are the most entertained generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. Literally, all the information that is out there is on this. We are more connected, we have more places to go, more things to read, more things to watch than ever before, and you are bored out of your minds. You are bored out of your minds. And the implication of this is that you're called to greater and bigger things. You're called to greater and bigger things. And you haven't been called to watch a 10-episode drama. You've been invited into the greatest epic saga the universe will ever know. And so on one hand, I'm actually excited that you're getting bored because the promises of this world are getting exposed. In your destruction, in your boredom, the promises of this world, the promises that you're going to feel happy and fulfilled and more connected, they're getting exposed. Now, my worry is that there's going to be enough toys and enough updates that will numb you to the fact that you're bored. And there's enough new models and there's enough new shows and there's enough new games and there's enough new ideas. And unlike Job or Solomon, and like Job hitting the lows to realize that God is all we have and he is enough, or hitting the highs of what the world promised like Solomon and realizing it's actually meaningless. It's meaningless without God. We're going to get stuck in this middle nebulous of gramming and Facebooking and texting and watching all the way until eternity. And the fear is we're going to grow numb to the fact that our soul, your soul, is restless by your gadgets. And my hope for you is that your boredom will signal off that you've been called to greater things. You've been called to greater things by the Holy by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not just to be someone that is mastered to constantly be used and distracted and entertained. You've been invited to participate and not, not just be a spectator. And that boredom in you is actually called upward and outward to be part of the greatest romance, the greatest adventure, the greatest saga that the universe will ever know. So this week, as we, as we feel the distraction and the boredom, let's, let's call it out for what it is. It's exposing what the world and these, these apps have promised us, that we're not finding satisfaction, we're not finding happiness, we're not, being, we're not feeling that intimacy that they promised us. Those lies are getting exposed. And so where do we run? We, want, we run uh, to the one that fulfills our greatest need. Uh, I just want to invite the band up. And just as I close, um, we, have these, we have these precious few moments in a week 
and in a day to not be distracted. Right now, to not be distracted by our phones, by what's next. And I'd invite you to listen uh, to a God. If you haven't, you haven't heard about this God that gives us this identity, gives us his perfection and his love, um, I encourage you just to stop and, and to listen. Um, if you've been challenged and convicted about how to, to master this, uh, I invite you to stop and not be distracted by what's next and that the God of the universe uh, is speaking to you and to me. And I've, I haven't called any of you out by name and yet if you're being challenged, that is, that is a spirit speaking to you. And what, what social media and smartphones and what it is doing to our identity and how we view ourselves and how we view others. That we have this... Um, this pursuit, we're pursuing these lesser glories when this is a call to look up and to look out to see the greater glory. Yeah, please pray with me. Jesus, we want to declare that you are greater. Lord, we want to declare that you are the only one that knows us, the only one that satisfies us, Lord, you are the only one that brings us true intimacy. You are the only one that can see who we really are, our deepest insecurities, and love us just the same at great personal cost, Lord. And we want to yeah, we want to call out the lies that these smartphones and apps have sold to us, Lord, that we can only find happiness and relationship and total comfort and care in you. And Jesus, that you are, you are better and greater. Yeah, Father, in these, in these precious moments, without us being distracted, Father, we just want to hear you and listen to you as you, you remind us and you wash us again of your identity of us. Yeah, that we don't need to Receive our perfection, Lord, but that it is given to us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And pray this, Jesus, your beautiful name. Amen.